Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions, for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labour, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. We continue chapter 3, together from verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Well, it's great to be here and we're just about moved in and uh, we've learned where co-op in Fullwood is and um, we've learned where the church is and we'll learn where the rest of Sheffield is in no time, I'm sure. Um, Do keep the book of Colossians open. Uh, Pete's already prayed, um, but if you'd like to um, turn back to chapter one on page 1183, that would be a help to me. Um, We'll be looking at one or two verses um, from Colossians in addition to the reading, so it'd be good to have that open in front of you. And um, growth to maturity is something that's essential in human life. Now, some of you will have met my son, Tom. He's a delightful uh, little two-year-old boy, and he's everything you'd expect of a two-year-old boy. So um, his main interests in life are trucks and diggers. Uh, He loves to uh, go to the park and feed the ducks Um, Like all toddlers, he has absolutely no common sense whatsoever and no sense of danger, even in the least. So you have to watch him all the time to make sure that he's safe. Um, We're trying to teach him to share his toys with other children, but um, he's capable of some quite spectacular tantrums when he puts his mind to it. And all of that's normal for a two-year-old, but would be strange... And um, and slightly sad, to be honest, if he was 22, because growth to maturity is a normal part of what it means to be a human being. But here's a question for this evening. How do you grow spiritually? How do you grow to maturity in the Christian life? I take it that every Christian um, longs to know more of God and to have deeper experience of him. We don't want to be paddling in the shallows. We want to be getting into the deep things of what it means to know God. And um, 
If we're honest, I take it that every Christian has things about themselves, character traits and habits and things that they do that they long to put to death because they know that those things aren't right for a follower of the Lord Jesus. And other characteristics and habits that they long to see more of in their lives, they wish that they could grow and we wish that we could be more like Jesus. And so um, growth is a normal thing for a Christian, but I wonder how you would answer the question, how do you grow spiritually? Uh, We're going to look at that this evening. Our key verse is really going to be Colossians 1 verse 28. Paul says, we proclaim him, that's Jesus, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. And really, Paul is arguing in this passage of Colossians that the way that we grow as Christians is by hearing the gospel from the Bible, that that is everything we need to grow to maturity in Christ. Uh, Now, it was a pressing message to the church in Colossae because one of the things you pick up as you read through the letter is that there are other teachers who, um, who want to offer another way or other ways of growing as a Christian. Uh, they've come to say, um, uh, like the um, door-to-door salesman, they're ringing on the doorbell and offering what every Christian wants. More. More of God. More growth. More maturity. And Colossians is a sort of warning letter, really. So um, have a look at chapter 2, verse, uh, verse 4, where Paul says, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Or chapter 2, verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. Uh, Paul says that there are, there are other ideas about how you grow, and, um, and they're dangerous, and they're to be avoided. No, Paul wants the Colossians, wants us to stick with the message of the gospel in the Bible as the way that we grow. And we're going to see that together. Uh, of course, we know that today it's also true that there are many, um, many people and many churches who will say, um, yes, I, I accept Jesus, but the thing that they're really excited about, the place where they think real growth and real maturity is to be found is in something more than Jesus, something other than Jesus. Uh, I think of um, uh, a conversation with um, uh, one of the tutors on a course that I did as part of my sort of um, Church of England curacy, who who said to me, oh, I became a Christian in a church a bit like your one, where they were serious about the Bible and the gospel and that sort of thing. But since then, I've really, I've grown up in my faith and I've come to realise there's so much more than just that. And in all sorts of ways, um, there'll be people who feel like that. And Paul wants to say to us, no, what we need to grow is nothing more than the gospel in the Bible. Now, why is that? Well, firstly, it's because the Bible gives you Jesus. That's what I've called on the back of the handout, the Bible's message. And Paul says, describing his ministry, we proclaim him. We proclaim Jesus. As Paul writes this letter in the New Testament, he says, this is the heart of what my message is all about. We proclaim Jesus. Now, of course, Paul wants us to know in this letter that um, if you want to know God, there is nowhere better to look than Jesus Christ. 
Um, Have a look at chapter 1, verse 19. Paul says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. So Jesus is not um, just another religious guru or theologian. He's not just another pundit who will give you his opinion on God. No, the fullness of God dwelt in this man, dwells in this man. If you want to see the fullness of God in human flesh, Paul says, Jesus is the one. Now, um, a few months ago, I uh, came and had an interview at a church in Sheffield, and uh, you might have heard of it. Um, The vicar was a man called Paul Williams, and I'd never met him before, so I asked a few um, of my friends, well, what's, um, what's this Paul Williams fellow like? and took a few opinions on him. And then um, you'll have to ask me afterwards what they said about him. But, um, but it was all good things, because I'm here. Um, uh, but um, I drove up the M1 and met Paul for myself. Uh, and now, um, you know, we can see him around the place face to face. And I don't really need to take opinions on what he's like anymore. If I want to know, well, um, the fullness of Paul, if you like, um, currently dwells on a pew just over there. And, um, and Paul is saying that about Jesus Christ. The fullness of God dwells in Jesus. Where are you going to go to know more about God than the fullness of God come to earth? Uh, but more than that, verse 21 of chapter 1, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, but now he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. So um, often people will present knowing God a bit like paths up a mountain, won't they? Maybe they'll say um, all the different religions are like different paths and we're all getting closer to God as we go up the mountain. But Paul says it's not like that at all. At once you were alienated, enemies in your minds. It's not that we're travelling up the mountain to God. By nature, we're all far from God, alienated, cut off from him. And more than that, hostile. We don't want God to be like he is. In our minds, we like to change what he's like. We're his enemies, we're far from him. But Jesus, verse 22, has reconciled us. He's brought us close. He's made us friends. See, where could you go to know more of God than the one who is fully God and who brings you fully to God? Actually, this is what makes the Christian faith different from any other, that it's about God who has made himself known and who brings us close to him in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ through his death. And... um, So Paul wants us to know that if you're looking to know God, you can do no better. You can't find more than Jesus, who is fully God and brings us fully close to God. But here's the thing that's key for this evening. The Bible is what gives you access to Jesus. If you want to know that Jesus, who is fully God, who brings us fully close to God... The Bible is the place to go. Uh, Let me show you that in the passage. Uh, Have a look at verse 26. Paul talks about a mystery, the mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. Now, um, 
mystery there, it doesn't mean something spooky from a Stephen King novel. It, it means something hidden that, according to the verse, has been made known. It's been disclosed. Um, uh, the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, chapter 2, talks about the mystery as God's hidden plan for the whole world and all the nations for all time. And Paul says that hidden plan of God has been made known. What is it? Well, verse 27, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious mystery of uh, riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, what is the mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Uh, People from all nations, Gentiles like us, can have a personal relationship with this Jesus Christ. Christ in you and you in Christ and the hope of being with him forever. But how do we get access to that? How do we get access to this Jesus? Well, look again how Paul begins. Verse 25. I've become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery. Paul says he has been given a job to present to us the word of God in its fullness, which is this mystery. Or as he sums it up, verse 28, we proclaim him, Jesus. So how do you know this Jesus? Well, it's through the ministry of Paul. It's through the words of Paul. It is through the Bible, the New Testament letters, and the other New Testament documents that record the message of the apostles for us. And of course, lest we, um, lest we tear out the first two-thirds of the Bible, you can hear on the lips of Jesus as he says that all of the Old Testament is all about him as well. That's what it means to say the word of God fully known, uh, the word of God in its fullness in verse 25. Uh, you could look at John 5 where Jesus says, the scriptures testify about me. Or Luke 24 where he begins with Moses and the prophets and shows how all the scriptures teach of him. Look, we live in an age... When people don't have a lot of confidence in words. Uh, We live in a postmodern age, a post-truth age, where people think that words can't really do very much. But Paul says it's through words, through the message of the gospel recorded for us in the Bible, that we meet Jesus, who is fully God and brings us fully close to God. All sorts of things in this life might make us feel very spiritual. Um, ancient medieval buildings and, um, and religious rituals and um, experiences and, and all manner of other things might make us feel very spiritual. But it's the Bible that gives us Jesus who makes God fully known and brings us fully close to him. And because the Bible gives us Jesus, uh, the second thing that Paul says is that the Bible gives you everything you need for Christian maturity. The Bible gives you everything you need for Christian maturity. Uh, This is what I've called the aim of the Bible on the handout. So have a look again at verse 28, our key verse. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. Or if you've got one of the slightly less tatty-looking, brand-new copies of the Church Bible, it should say, we, to, um, uh, to present everyone fully mature in Christ. Uh, I'm looking for any nodding heads to say you've got one of those. 
one or two of you have got them. Um, either of those is a great translation. It's a growth word, um, but it's a word that has its eye on our final destination. So it means whole or complete or fully mature or perfect. All of those are excellent translations, whichever one you've got in front of you. Um, Paul is talking about how you grow as a Christian, but his eye is on our final destination. And Paul says that his message, the gospel message about Jesus, has the power to get Christians to be fully mature on the day that we stand before Jesus. To present Christians before Jesus perfect in Christ. So now when we think about Christian maturity, when we think about how you grow spiritually, Paul says here is something that doesn't just start you off in the Christian life. Here is something that gets you all the way to the finish line, perfection in Christ. I don't know if you had this experience um, where you, um, maybe you're doing your GCSEs and then you move up to A-level and you realise that quite a lot of what you learned at GCSE was actually pulling the wool over your eyes. And um, maybe you got to university and you realised that quite a lot of what you learned at A-level was actually pulling the wool over your eyes. I remember that very distinctly, having loved English Lit A-level, arriving at university for English and philosophy undergrad, and finding that it was almost a different subject, there was so much more. And Paul is saying here that the message of Jesus in the Bible, it's not like GCSE-level Christianity, but there's more. And when you get to graduate level, then you get the really deep stuff. No, Paul is saying that the message about Jesus in the Bible is the thing that gets Christians all the way from turning to Jesus at first to standing before him perfect, fully mature in Christ. Where else are you going to go to grow if that's true? Where else are you going to look to mature as a Christian? Now, I just want to take a moment just to whet your appetite for how that works. Um, We don't have a lot of time for this, um, but um, just flip over to chapter 3, verse 1, just for a moment, and we'll just think just very briefly about what that might look like in principle. So, um, chapter 3, verse 1. Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. And then he goes on, uh, verse 5, to say, put to death, therefore, various practices that accord with um, your earthly nature, your sinful nature. And verse 12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourself with various um, practices that do accord with the new nature. But, but you see the principle there? I mean, you could have a whole sermon series on this, um, so I won't keep you here to midnight. Here's my, here's my one-sentence summary of what Paul is saying here. Okay, the battleground for Christian growth is your mind. The prize is your heart, and your life just tells the story. Shall I say that again? The battleground for Christian growth is your mind... The prize is your heart, and your life just tells the story. 
Do you see that? Verse 2, we set our minds on things above where Christ is. Uh, Verse 1, we set our hearts on things above where Christ is. And that's the engine room for changing our behaviour, for putting off and putting on, which is what we long for as Christians, isn't it? Um, The great Anglican theologian um, J.I. Packer, in his book Knowing God, begins by saying many of us are feeble Christians because we have a feeble God. And um, we could update that for Colossians to say many of us are feeble Christians because we have a feeble Christ. You see, it's as our minds are fixed on Jesus in the Bible, as we, as we learn from the Bible and our vision of Jesus is enlarged, our hearts are one for Christ, and so our lives are changed. Now, the battleground is our minds, our hearts are the uh, prize, and our lives simply tell the story. But if this is true then the Bible, which gives you Jesus, which shows him to you, is all you need to grow up as a Christian to maturity. Of course it's the thing that is able to present you perfect in Christ on the last day. Because it is the Bible that fixes your your mind and your heart on Jesus so that your life is transformed as um, your duty becomes a joy to serve him and to please him because of your new identity in him. Of course, we need to grab that because, as I said, um, think of uh, the, the guy from my curate's training or any number of books you might pick up at, um, uh, I don't know, in the spirituality sort of drop down on Amazon or something like that that will present any manner of other things as the key to really grow. But Paul says um, it it might seem less exciting than other things. It it might seem very ordinary in some ways to listen to words about Jesus. But it's precisely words about Jesus that give us him so that we can grow. They're everything we need. And I guess one of the things I'd love to do this evening is just plead with you. uh, Don't move on from the gospel in the Bible. There's nothing more There's no um, graduate level Christianity that takes you away from Jesus in the Bible. This is where we find all that we need to grow. But last few minutes, I just want to think about what that might look like in practice in the life of a church. I've called this the practical outworking of the Bible um, on the handout. And um, this is where we're just going to look for just a moment at chapter 3, verse 16, where Paul turns to uh, the life of a local church. And he says, um, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Now, it's just striking, isn't it? If you remember um, chapter 1, verse 28, Paul says that what he does is proclaim Christ, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Uh, And then when he turns to the local church and says, here's what uh, uh, the local church should look like, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Do you see, his picture of the ongoing life of the church is keep saying the words that I'm teaching you, the word of Christ, keep saying that to one another. Keep doing what I was doing. 
teaching one another about Jesus and admonishing one another. That means um, warning one another or uh, um, uh, correcting one another with the truth about Jesus. Uh, It's a beautiful image, isn't it? Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Um, uh, This week, uh, a couple from the church family brought round um, just the most gorgeous sticky toffee pudding for us. And if you're thinking through gifts for new members of staff, can I, uh, can I recommend the sticky toffee pudding as a winner in the Fernley household? Anyway, now, um, they're treasures in heaven, so I'm not going to tell you who they are, but um, it, it, was, I mean, it was oozing with this toffee sauce. It, you, you know, in a, a sort of beautifully Yorkshire way, he just said, oh, it's a bit saucy. But um, I can't do the accent, I'm sorry. But um, it was... Um, it was just, you know, it was just oozing with this sauce. It was over. It was rich with toffee sauce. Uh, this pudding. It's still in my mind days later. But but here is the here is the picture of a church that uh, the word of Christ dwells in that church richly. It's full of it. It's oozing. It's overflowing with the gospel in the Bible. It's just oozing out of this church. Uh, One of the commentators puts it like this. The word of Christ is to be extravagantly spoken and heard amongst them. Now, this is the growing church. The growing church is one that, um, well, sings truths from the Bible to one another. Uh, We don't just praise God when we sing. We sing truths from the Bible to teach and encourage one another. Uh, It's a church that's serious about preaching the Bible. In fact, when you go to their services, Bible is just, just oozing out of everything. The gospel from the Bible is just rich at the heart of what that church is about. And look, just a couple of um, practical observations about that. Um, I think for the word of Christ to dwell in our church richly, it has to dwell in us richly as individuals. Uh, So that that's what we're bringing as we gather together. Um, I went to a seminar at a conference while I was a student, and um, it was about keeping going as a Christian uh, it was a sort of um, well-known, older Christian leader. You know, he was old enough that he'd clearly been going in the Christian life for uh, ages and ages. Uh, and so I went along, and do you know what he said? He said, I've never met a mature Christian who didn't make it their daily habit to read the Bible and pray. Now, I was gutted when I heard that as an undergrad, because I thought there'd be some kind of blue pill that I could take and that would keep me going for the rest of my life as a Christian, or, or some, kind of, um, you know, some kind of trick or deeper knowledge or something like that. And he said, I've never met a mature Christian who didn't make it their daily habit to read the Bible and pray. Uh, let me ask you, uh, maybe you've never got into that habit before, and maybe it's something you used to do, but you've fallen out of the habit. Can, can I just encourage you to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as an individual? Yeah, there's a little app you can get on your phone called Explore. It's just got little 15-minute Bible readings with a few questions. I'd love to chat to you about that afterwards. I think it's free or like 70p or something like that. But it'd be one way that you could let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Uh, but of course, Paul isn't just talking to a group of individuals here. He's talking about a gathered church. Christians coming together to teach And to admonish one another. He's not even talking about just sort of what I'm doing right now as I try and sort of teach and admonish all of you. He's saying that what we do as Christians, as a growing church, 
should be to seek to teach and admonish one another from the Bible. I wonder if you're part of a small group or if there's someone you meet with one-to-one to get the Bible open. If we want to grow as Christians, the Bible gives us everything we need because it gives us Jesus. Will we take that opportunity together to teach and admonish one another? Uh, Just a word on admonishing, because I guess we live in a culture, don't we, where we're taught to um, tolerate almost anything in anyone's life and where it's it's dreadfully un-PC to ever tell someone they're doing anything wrong. But Paul says a growing church, in fact a church where the peace of Christ dwells in their hearts in verse 15, is one where Christians correct one another from the Bible. I wonder, do you have relationships in the church with people that are strong enough that actually you're prepared to open the Bible up with them sometimes and say, I think you're wrong on that, brother. I'm not sure you should be doing that, sister. Do you think think that um, Jesus would encourage that sort of talk or that sort of behaviour? Helping one another to um, sit under the Bible and to let Jesus teach us and change us. A very um, challenging question a friend of mine used to ask is this. um, Can your God disagree with you? It's a great test of whether your God is real, isn't it? Can your God disagree with you? But so often we, um, uh, we won't let God disagree with us until there's another Christian with a Bible helping us to see that this is what he says. To correct us, to point us back to Jesus and how our, our identity in him changes the way that we live and what we love. Paul says that when it comes to growth in the Christian life, all that we need is here in the Bible. But because in it we have this message that gives us Jesus. And Jesus really is everything that we need to get to the final day, to be presented perfect before him. Wouldn't it be great if as a church that word, the word of Christ, was dwelling in us richly day by day and as we gather together. I'm going to pray that the Lord would make that so more and more. Our Lord God, we pray that each one of us, as individuals and as we gather together, might be growing in our knowledge and our love of Jesus. Please speak to our minds, change what our hearts love and change our lives as we look to him in the scriptures. And to that end, we pray that the word of Christ would dwell in us richly. In Jesus' name, amen.